Okay, welcome to latest United podcast for early morning, Monday morning podcast, Larry. Now, I don't know where to start. Are we starting in a top four discussion or have you got out your calculator and started looking at scenarios where United catch Man City now? Uh, look, Tom, it, anything's possible. Um, if you remember Manchester City's first Premier League title victory back in 2011-12 now, I want to say. I've tried to forget it, but yes. <laughs> I mean, at one point, United were, was it 11 points clear? So, it's a smaller gap than that. It's possible they drop points this week. I think they'll drop more points throughout now, between now and the end of the season. But the concern is, can United go undefeated, basically? And not just undefeated, can they win every single game between now and the end of the season? That's where I think we've just made ourselves a bit, a hill just a bit too hard to climb. Oh, yeah, it's one of those. I think we're going to get naturally a little bit too excited. But, um, yeah, when that Leeds goal went in, um, I did go straight to the league's, the league table and um, have a look at different scenarios. But um, it's a good problem to have to be looking forward in that direction rather than mm. looking behind us because I remember this time last week we were saying ahead of the Tottenham game that it, was, well, it would be a disaster if we didn't make top four. But what I needed to guarantee it for myself was a result and obviously a win is better than just a result against Tottenham so for me are you looking at it now it's not even a disaster if we don't make top four now we've made top four I'm happy to go go with that comment yeah absolutely um well we're seven points clear of Leicester who are third and then I think the gap between fifth and us is 11 points so yeah it would take something monumental for United not to make top four now but I think the goal has to be a top two finish um I don't think top four would satisfy the fan base nor Manchester United. And that's because if you look at the duration of the season, we have sat in second since pretty much November, December period. Yeah. So I think anything less than second would actually be considered a failure. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree. But um, yeah, you go back to the start of the season and yes, it's going to come down to trophies ultimately, especially with Solskjaer and Man United. But we go back to last season saying we wanted to be comfortably in the top four with those last four or five games. I think we're going to get to that stage. And yes, it will come down to trophies, but I think Solskjaer has, has done his job. We'll get into a few Solskjaer comments in a little bit. But um, we'll go on to the game because, God, what a game. An absolute roller coaster of emotions. But um, the start in 11, and I think we seem to start the start in 11 debate on this topic every single time. But another nail in the coffin, I think Dean Henderson is more proof that he's our number one goalkeeper because De Gea came back in and De Gea's back out. Henderson's our Premier League goalkeeper now. Yeah, and to be fair to the Englishman, what a performance today. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, that save, I think it was when it was 2-1 at the time, the save on Harry Kane. It was a very De Gea-like save with the feet. Absolutely, yeah, and and that was that's been the criticism of Henderson, hasn't it? it? Every time we've come on here and debated De Gea versus Henderson, it's does he have that shot stopping ability that De Gea does? Today he proved it's in his locker, so he's done it in the number one spot for Manchester United, and he's in the ascendancy now. So full credit to him, um, great performance, and I agree with you. I think he's certainly our number one. But what happens with De Gea in the off-season and into next season is definitely something I'll be keen to watch um, because given his wages, it'll be interesting to see what does the club do to get him off the books. Well, another one that it sort of always throws up a little bit of a talking point in regards to the start in 11, but it really shouldn't because in big games, it seems to be what happens. But um, Paul Pogba, again, accommodated on the left-hand side, wasn't played in midfield. Solskjaer went for his... 
um, trusted duo of Fred and McTominay in the middle and um, we surprised slash shocked or interested in seeing Pogba out wide? Um, I think on paper it has him as a left winger. I think he played anything but that today. It looked to me like a, almost like a diamond. I, I didn't feel Rashford was hugging the sideline, to be honest. I felt it was more that diamond. If we actually look at the opportunities where Pogba crossed into Cavani, not long after the disallowed goal, which we'll come into, um, he's actually deployed that ball from the right-hand side. He had been given pretty much a roaming license. I think Rashford came narrow at times, but also held his width at times, maybe more so from a defensive structure. Um, I understand it. I don't, I don't like it because I think the balance of the side goes, but... Pogba got a license to move today, and I thought he played super well because of that. So, not super critical. I think we could deploy him deeper, to be honest, should you get a better defensive midfielder. But he played well today, so no complaints from me. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, we'll get on to the game, and look, we could be having a very, very different discussion if this panned out differently. But I thought United, look, it was a close game. Look, Tottenham are a good team. They're a big big team, got good players, obviously got a good manager, so it was always going to be difficult, especially going away. Um, but I thought United, not dominated, but United were in control in that first half, and I thought scored a very good goal. It was a great ball by Pogba into Cavani, and Cavani with a good finish. Now it's gone to VAR. Now there's a few talking points regarding this. First of all, okay, good goal. The VAR issue for me, Look, we'll get into McTominay if it's a foul or if it isn't a foul. It's it's not a foul for me. It's just one of those things. But VAR has copped so much slack um, in regards to the decision. It's not VAR that is the issue for me. It's the referee looking at the decision. VAR has given him the the tools and the evidence to make a decision. It's still the referee looking at the screen and getting the decision wrong. So for me, it's not a VAR issue. It's a refereeing issue. Absolutely, yeah. Um, look... The issue is the fundamentals in which VAR is used in England. The fact that, because obviously whoever's controlling VAR is the one who's told the referee, you need to come have a look at it. That's not the referee's initiative. VAR was going to look at it regardless. So from that point, I excuse the referee. But the fact that the VAR ref has made the ruling to the referee, or I think you should look at this, that's the embarrassment. There should be enough knowledge in the referee ranking to understand the fundamentals of football. A foul is only a foul where you have disadvantaged the opposition into making a play or to contributing on the pitch. Son is not disallowed there in any shape or form. There was barely any contact with his face for starters. He could have easily continued his run if he wanted to. Instead, he went down, carried on like an absolute prat, and then then we have the fast that happened with VAR and the referee. Um, how you fix that, I don't know. Because we've seen in Europe that VAR can be deployed successfully. I, for one, am not a fan of VAR. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think it brings the advantages to the game when you're weighing up pros and cons. It protracts the game. It slows everything down. And ultimately, we're still getting decisions wrong. If the, if the essence of VAR is to make sure that things are going to be 100% correct, which they never will be because it's still down to human judgment, what's the point? Yeah, well, well it's, look, we go on to the actual incident in regards to McTominay and Son and Son's rolling around. But I just want to sort of direct it a little bit more to the post-match comments of Mourinho and Solskjaer. 
And I find this is a bit embarrassing and a bit of a low by Jose Mourinho because Solskjaer has made the comment saying if that was his son, pardon the pun, but if that, if that was his boy who was rolling around like Son was doing and his teammates had to pick him up after three or four minutes of rolling around the ground, Solskjaer made the comment that he wouldn't give him dinner that evening or something along those lines. He wouldn't feed him at night. Obviously a yeah. joke. And obviously it doesn't matter because he's got Marcus Rashford to feed him if he wants to. But... Jose Mourinho has taken the comments literally and used that as a way to have a dig at Solskjaer saying a child, a father should always feed his children even if he has to steal. It's a father's number one priority. And that has painted Solskjaer in such a bad light after Solskjaer was a throwaway comment, absolutely nothing in it. And look, we could have a discussion about Mourinho's comments throughout his career. But I thought this was pretty poor by Mourinho, I thought. I think so. He has taken the United sacking so sourly, it's it's embarrassing. And you know what, Tom? Let's say this about Mourinho. Um, because, to be honest, himself and Tottenham don't deserve a great level of analysis on this podcast. He's finished as a top-level manager. Do you disagree with that comment? I don't think Tottenham's a good fit. Uh, I think if he's at the right club with the right players and the right person above him in regards to a board member or as director of football or owner, whoever... I think Mourinho can get results. Um, Showed United, he can get results. Um, I said it when he signed at Tottenham. I think, what's he going to Tottenham for? Tottenham, they don't have the ability to change. They're, they're always going to be Tottenham, no matter, even if they have investment, they're still going to be Tottenham. So I didn't understand the. It just wasn't a fit, especially at that time, where the situation Tottenham found themselves in, in moving into a new stadium, and Mourinho coming off the back of a disappointing spell at United. It just didn't make sense. So I think if you throw Mourinho in a. You throw him in Manchester City or you can give him a short-term two-year goal at Chelsea to achieve or you put him in Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, I think he wins things. But um, the Tottenham job just made no sense for me and still makes no sense when you see how it's unfolding. If we go back to the comments, look, it's just embarrassing. Um, I think Mourinho's just clearly trying to deflect. He got asked about the VAR situation. Um, he's then again tried to use that opportunity to deflect it onto Pogba in the situation with Oria, which he says Pogba should have gotten a red card. Again, yes, contact is made there. I don't think that's a red card. There wasn't a great deal of force there. It's accidental contact. So what Mourinho is good at, and he has been good at and continues to be good at, is deflecting away from the question at hand. He knows how to move the limelight away from what the media wants and moving it somewhere else. So credit where it's due, um, but I think Solskjaer gets the final laugh today. Yeah, no doubt. Well, there's a few photos as well that um, almost look, they're just still photographs after the game. But they really, for me, you'll see them if you go on Facebook or Twitter, especially in our Twitter timeline, that they really epitomise like the progress on and off the pitch and it surrounds after the game when they're shaking hands and there's a really good one of Shaw and Solskjaer sort of embracing with a smile on their face and Mourinho just sort of walking off to the side with a sort of real sort of grumpy look and you just think the two sort of contrast because Mourinho's and relation Mourinho's relationship with Luke Shaw and you saw how what Luke Shaw performed like under Jose Mourinho and now you see the difference under Solskjaer what Luke Shaw is doing and um I just think it goes back to now where you see the two, where the two clubs are, the direction Solskjaer has taken us in since Mourinho's sacking and the direction we were going under Jose Mourinho is probably the direction Tottenham are currently in now. I just think, yes, we mm. can still have questions over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but you're nuts if you can't see this progress here. 
The biggest stick I can beat Jose Mourinho with is if you watch the All or Nothing documentary on Tottenham, um, Mourinho says to Harry Kane, we've got better players here than I did at Manchester United. Uh, of the, fundaments, the fundamentals of this squad is the same. I think Solskjaer has actually improved the players there. And that's why United have this uplift. Granted, we have added to the squad with the likes of Harry Maguire, Aaron Rambasaka, Edison Cavani and Bruno Fernandes. However, the fundamentals are still there. I think Fred is, you're getting a greater output from him. Whether you debate he's a United player or not is for another day. McTominay's definitely improved. We're seeing that with his goal contribution this season and the, his consistency over the season. Um, Luke Shaw, we've already touched on, f- completely different footballer from those infamous comments of my mind, his body by Jose. So you have to say Solskjaer is showing that while he might not have the tactical nous of a Jose Mourinho, his man management is more suited to the modern footballer. And while ever Jose stays in this mentality of, you know, beating down players, if they don't have that same mentality as him, he's going to continue to struggle. So again, I'm, I'm a very happy man today. No, definitely. Now I do want to get into that second half performance because I remember the first half against Leeds was good, but I think the emotion throughout that second half, um, it really felt like watching the old Manchester United. So I want to get into discussing that, but obviously Spurs did take the lead. And of course, after the VAR incident, it had to be Son. Um, Anything to mention on the goal? I know, look, Lindelof is... I forget how he loses the ball, so I forget how their attack sort of um, comes about. But Lindelof is obviously at fault, getting sort of his feet muddled up and is unable to clear the ball. And then I saw Wan Bissaka come in for a lot of criticism without losing his man. It's not Wan Bissaka's man, it's Rashford who switches off. Now, I wouldn't sort of really blame Rashford too much because Lindelof ultimately has to deal with the ball. But, um, yeah, I think it was just a. I think maybe after that VAR incident, because it was quite soon after United just switched off and was sort of epitomised that with Rashford just for a split second switching off. And I think it was sort of epitomised through that, the, the whole team. Yeah, and I think that's the mentality that is still being embedded into this football team to overcome adversity. Where United have come out today is we've shown that unbelievable knack to come from behind, but we need to get better at overcoming adversity where you have decisions like this and not to put your heads down because that lapse of concentration against a better football side, against a Manchester City, a Real Madrid, a Bayern Munich, I don't know if United make that comeback. So it's still part of the learning. Um, To what you've said in the past, you have to sometimes just say it's a good goal. Um, And look, it's a bit bit fortuitous. Um, In terms of Lindelof, he'll clear that 9 out of 10 times. So it is what it is, but good goal by Tottenham. Can't complain too much. Well, on to half-time and you say coming from behind again. Now, look, I feel what it was. I think on the last podcast I said it was 25 points. So now it'd be 28 points United have won coming from losing positions and look okay yes we can have a debate should we be in a losing position that many times and is that good enough of course not but the fact is we have been in losing positions and to come back and just imagine the Premier League table now if you take 28 points off United where we would be and it comes down to Solskjaer and you just have to look at what was said at half time because while I thought United were quite good during the first half we have gone in to half time very disappointingly 1-0 down you remember last time, sort of things didn't quite go to plan against Tottenham. We lost six one. Now, obviously, a different scenario, but it was a really disappointing feeling at half time. And Solskjaer has obviously, whether he's been calm and collected at half time or has gone in there and given a rocket up the team, I'm not quite sure. 
I think from Scott McTominay's comments post match that was it was quite a calm dressing room at halftime, saying just keep going, um, we'll get chances and the chances will sort of convert to goals. But um, Solskjaer deserves huge credit for turning this team around in terms of that fighting spirit when we do go a goal down. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've never seen anything like it. This football team, this season, it's the craziest thing. But yeah, I, 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 like and today. You know what added to the emotion? Um, I'm sort of going away a little bit, but I think it sets the platform for that comeback. Edison Cavani's passion. Um, we saw the incident with the goal, but then after that, he has an incident. I don't know the Tottenham man's player. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Who was, cares? Um, um, Roden, it was the defender. Yes, yeah. He goes down, again, just Tottenham t- antics. Um, and Cavani's passion really set the... It set the tempo for that second half, I think. Um, United put themselves in a good position, and you always felt that comeback was on because uh, the team seemed to have that motivation, and I think that incident just sort of sparked United back into life. Solskjaer obviously has put them, put a rocket up them at halftime, and then you know the rest is history. Well, on that incident, and at halftime, look, we as fans sit here with plenty of emotion, and we say things we sometimes regret or don't quite mean, but just off the back of that Cavani incident, I was talking to a few people at halftime in regards to Fred and McTominay, and especially McTominay in regards to his situation with Son. And I was saying it, and everyone was agreeing with me, and people were saying it, said, I wouldn't mind a player going and getting sent off, like McTominay really going and putting a proper elbow on Son, or Cavani like really leaving one on the ankles of a defender sort of thing, because that's what you felt like as fans. You thought, this game's gone, we're going to lose, it's disappointing, just go and hurt these Tottenham players, hurt the players, because... That's how much anger was sort of flowing through the veins at the time. But I look back mm. and we'll get in the 3-2-1s and it'll be interesting if Fred gets in there. But Fred and McTominay probably weren't brilliant in terms of the football today. But I have to give them a lot of credit because I know I've been in that situation sometimes where you feel the world is against you in midfield in those tight games and the game becomes a battle and you feel hard done by by the ref. And look, both players, both Fred and McTominay were on yellow cards for a large period of the game. And I think it would have been so easy for one of them to go over the top and get themselves sent off, which we were calling for as fans at halftime in regards to our frustration. But the players were very calm in the second half. While they had that intensity and they had that passion in the second half, it was very controlled. And I just want to give credit to the players, especially Fred and McTominay, because the football side of things, they were yeah, 50-50. Or, okay, Fred turned Brazilian for about three seconds before his goal. But <laughs> I, I thought their their sort of controlled intensity and controlled passion in that second half was very professional, very mature of the players. Yeah, agreed. I can't believe Fred scored a goal. Well, we'll get onto that. Unbelievable. Um, what happened? You, you said you said there was some crazy things and a crazy comeback. But for me, Fred, you see the footwork. It was somewhat of a Brazilian bit of footwork. Yeah, apparently he is Brazilian. Apparently he has a Brazilian passport. The thing is, look, and I don't want to bash for it because, it's, as I said, I thought he was very good today, especially like, in an overall approach, and I don't want to bash on the goal. He almost put it over. He did, but that's Fred for you, isn't it? He's a, he's a bit of a jack-in-the-box. He's eccentric, but, hey, man, credit where it's due. He was in the box. He anticipated, and he hit it with power, and I dare say if he was a little further out, it goes wide, but... He puts it in the back of the net. Um, industrious as always. But, but not, Fred but was not good only, today. That, not only in regards to he was in the box and anticipated the goalkeeper mistake. He was pivotal to pivotal to the goal. He played sort of one or two neat little passes. Yeah, he's the yeah, one who threaded did. the ball through. It was a lovely run by Cavani, but he, he's the one who threaded mm. the ball through to Cavani. And um, 
all all in all, it was a fantastic goal. Yeah, no, it, it really was. Um, and I guess it shows Fred does have it in his locker. Not the ability to, you know, play a, a defensive split pass, but he's got some good ability on the ball once he gets going. And, you know, like you have to play your role in the team, but... Again, just credit where it's due. He's not going to do that week on week. And I think we just need to avoid getting caught up in that situation of, you know, seeing one moment of brilliance that says, oh, maybe this player does have a future. Um, You know, my stance on Fred remains. However, credit where it's due. He was good today, good ability on the ball, good dribbling and a good finish. Well, speaking of someone who we need to discuss their future, before we get into the future, um situation Edison Cavani with exactly what you want from your center forward good cross by Greenwood but that header sort of sums up Cavani I think there was a similar one against Southampton at the start of the season but um it was a Mm. fantastic header by Cavani oh yeah his movement is phenomenal I really tried to focus on what does Cavani do in the build-up to this goal so I sort of ignored the cross his brilliance is he remains so calm I think a lot of strikers commence the run before it comes, anticipating what might come from wide. Cavani's essentially walking. So he's got his defender thinking, you know, it's all steady. And then suddenly, bang, he moves. Because he can anticipate when the cross comes in, where it's going to land. That's a skill. You, It's hard to teach that. Um, so I'm really happy to hear that he's sort of taken Mason under his wing. But Tom, what like that's elite number nine play and... To be honest, after this game, I'm, I really want him to stay. I think just what he could bring in terms of off the pitch to the other players in our squad is something that you can't really put a price on. And then there's moments like today where you can rely on that dark arts of the number nine to contribute to goals. And I think he will show his value against these top sides where you need to have that little bit of class against really good players. Well, what it, look, we're going to have plenty of Cavani debates in the coming weeks, but obviously the other side of the scale is the striker on the other, other team, he and Harry Kane. Um, whether the top target's going to be Harry Kane or Haaland or whether we can afford a striker at all. If, if it's a case of you can keep Cavani or sell and get someone else, in regards to our situation, in regards to the whole squad, like do we need a centre-back or do we need a defensive midfielder, do we need a right-winger before a striker? what would you be leaning towards in terms of... Because if we are going to have to buy a striker, it's going to be a big investment where we do have Cavani there, who's look ultimately a free transfer. Yeah, I'm a little bit stuck on this one. Um, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said get Haaland at all costs. But there's a part of me that can see Mason developing into the number nine that I think he can be. And I think he's a more natural footballer than Haaland. And technical ability is better. Now, I don't know if he'll ever produce the goals at the level that we're seeing Haaland do. But I think Mason has the potential to fulfill being that genuine world-class number nine. I think there's Ballon d'Or potential in Mason Greenwood. And then with that, if we sign Haaland, I think you're ultimately telling Greenwood he's not going to be the number nine for United. So that's where I sit on it. I, I guess I'm sort of stuck in that sentiment. I think if United got a right winger, the balance of the squad improves. I think you could go another season with Martial and Cavani up front, and then you could start to deploy Mason through the middle uh, more often. And I think if you do that, you might be in a better position in two years' time where the balance of the squad is then better, and then you can have Mason as a more regular number nine. 
I think that might actually be better for this United system. I don't see getting Haaland a compliment to the balance of United at the moment. We still need a right winger. So even if you get in the Norwegian, if that issue is going to remain, we're still going to have issues where we're lopsided, we're moving Rashford to the right. I just think we need to get a right winger. I think that needs to be the priority. Yeah, well, we've made the point with Greenwood um, in the past, I think. And that case, a different position, but in and said right winger, which Greenwood isn't quite that right winger. But the main thing in, is with um, Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho left Manchester City because he wasn't going to get his chance. Suddenly, two years later, he's a hundred million pound player. I just think Greenwood could be that hundred million pound, or very likely be that hundred million pound player in two years if we keep playing him at United. If we do bring in a Haaland or a Kane, and Greenwood suddenly doesn't have that development, well, we don't have that hundred million pound player. So. I think very, very important to not sleep on Greenwood because he does have the world at his feet. And speaking of him, it's almost hard to think because there's so much happening in the game with McTominay and Son, Mourinho, Solskjaer, Cavani. Greenwood was probably the game changer. Came on, assist and a goal. Yeah, he was fantastic. He, he was really good. The assist, excellent uh, for Cavani. And then his goal at the end. What I liked about this one, it, it, it Mason, we've talked about this. It, it's it, It's interesting to see how he shoots, isn't it? A striker who regularly goes for the near post, mm. but he's got such power in his shot. He can do it, you know, and your guest goalkeepers are always taught to cover their near post, but Mason, just the drop of the shoulder and the finish on his weaker foot, mind you, um, I think any other left footer puts that into Rosette. So, class finish, Mason was excellent today. I think and also an important substitution by Solskjaer, because when he gets to that time of that first sub and our sort of so-called strongest 11 is on the pitch... I'm always looking and thinking, okay, now it's the time to make that sub where Solskjaer has maybe struggled to find who to put on. But today was who to take off. And I thought, look, it'd have to be Rashford to me to get a goal scorer. And look, it's hard because Rashford's scored so many goals this year. But if you say mm. who's a goal scorer, Greenwood or Rashford, it's Greenwood for me. And I think we needed that goal. And I thought, well, how do you get Greenwood on the pitch here? I'm not quite sure. I'm not taking Cavani off. You're obviously not going to sacrifice a midfielder in this type of game. So I thought, it has to be Rashford, but then I'm thinking, well, is Solskjaer going to be taking Rashford off here? I'm not quite sure. I was sort of almost expecting Solskjaer to make no subs today, but I thought it was brave and ultimately the right decision to bring Greenwood on for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Rashford didn't really have a great impact on the game, um, but Greenwood just showing that point of difference. I'm telling you, I think Mason, when he's Rashford's age, he'll, he'll be a better player. I genuinely believe that. And that's not a that's not me beating Rashford. I think Rashford's awesome and has all the the likelihood to become a United legend. But Greenwood's really good. I, I don't know if I don't know if enough fans put enough respect on the talent he has. His finishing ability is it's honestly world class. If he just learns to and it'll come with time, once his frame thickens up and he learns and he's getting used to playing with men and gets that consistency in his game he'll go to another level. And we should say, that's his now third goal in four matches. So he's getting some consistency back. Yeah, well, he's in cracking form, but we'll move on to 3-2-1s, which is a tricky one because there's a player we've hardly mentioned. We mentioned at the start, I thought Paul Pogba, he's potentially in with a huge shout. But you've also Cavani, we've mentioned Dean Henderson, you look at Greenwood, um, as well, Fred with an all-important equaliser. So I'm not quite sure mm. where the 3 2 one discussion is going to start. So I'll put the pressure on you and give you your first nomination for three points. I don't know if this is going to be a popular one. I actually thought Cavani. I don't think United score the goals they do if it's not for Cavani. 
I think his first goal, yep, disallowed, but he, I think he just set the tempo today. Like I said, I think that I think you could look at the result today and it goes back to that incident. It goes back to the incident with the defender, Cavani, you know, demanding he gets up, putting the aggro back into the match. I don't see another character on that pitch who would have had that anger. Maybe a Bruno Fernandes, but outside of that, I thought Cavani's influence today was brilliant. I, you know, ultimately, he's he majorly contributes to Fred's goal. Um, you know, he, he hit it. It's a deflection in a Fred's path. Um, he scores the second to get United ahead. I think Cavani's the key here. I, I don't think Martial or Rashford up front today sees United get the three points. Yeah, no, look. He was genuinely point different. Look, I would agree. And, and I would also allude to that incident you mentioned in the first half after we go 1 0 down. Just that little bit of energy and passion up front, I thought, was, was key in terms of keeping United on the front foot and that desire to to sort of not dominate but physically get on top of Tottenham, which we did in the second half. And I think that a lot of that did stem from the player leading the line, which was Cavani, and um, an all-important goal. So, oh, yeah, definitely Cavani, three points for me. Now, next, with the guy we just mentioned, I thought Green, if we've given Cavani three there, I think an assist and a goal, um, Greenwood was the game-changer for me. The perfect substitution. Go on and make an impact. I can't argue with that, Tom. There's not much to add there. Um, yeah, Mason Greenwood for two points. I think that's a shoe in Two points and one will be the interesting one now because, look, we've given two goal scorers. I think I'd want to be f- sort of friendly and give it to Fred because I was so happy for him because <laughs> there's so much stick I've given him in recent weeks. But um, I thought his performance, which I've commended in terms of the matureness of his performance, but I thought I thought Paul Pogba was on a different level in that second half. I thought, while we're given three points and two points to someone else, Paul Pogba was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, I think if Cavani's first goal stands, that's an assist for Pogba. He creates chances, good on the ball today, really good on the ball today, smart in his possession. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Pogba for the one point. He was he was phenomenal. Again, when we talk about do we win without Cavani, I'm not sure we win without Paul Pogba on the pitch. So Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we'll quickly go on to some of the Facebook comments and obviously a very good mood today. Chris Wiley from the Man United Supporters Club, no three two ones. But um, just sort of echoes your thoughts. Have to keep Cavani for another year if we don't buy a striker. Um, Rob has gone three for Cavani, two for Henderson, which uh, which we mentioned, Dean Henderson. Um, he's pivotal and maybe unlucky not to get points. And obviously Paul Pogba for one. Big shout-out to Mason Greenwood as well. George has gone man of the match for Pogba, two for Cavani and one for Bruno. No, yeah, I thought Bruno was... It was Bruno without the goal. Unfortunately, so um, yeah, I thought I thought Bruno was good. I thought he's was almost on the same lines as Cavani in regards to his leadership and passion he was getting himself about. Um, Adam has gone three points for Henderson, part of the goalkeepers union, two for Cavani, and one point for Fred. Um, agrees with us that he fi- finally turned Brazilian. Proud moment for his family. <laughs> um, Rav goes three for Cavani, two for Pogba, one for Greenwood, and Alex goes three for Pogba, two for Cavani, and one for Mason. Uh, defense also deserves a mention. I think you'll find Kane was deprived of service. Yeah, look, I thought while Lindelof maybe at fault for the goal, I thought overall our back four. I thought especially Wan Bissaka because he he had sort of always a tough assignment. Whoever plays on the right hand side against Tottenham, because the way they sort of sort of really target left in terms of the way Son plays, I thought um yeah the whole back four did very well. But um yeah, oh, Granada now it's a weird one because okay European quarter final it should be sort of such excitement and a huge build-up to it, but 
we're almost through. Obviously, a disaster could strike and we could concede early and it's really game on. But we're pretty much through in that game, you'd agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I wouldn't rotate fully, but I do think it's an opportunity for... I'd, I'd be putting Van der Beek in, I'd be giving Bruno a rest, I'd be giving Rashford a rest... I'd be putting Dan James in there. Well, I think the rotation um, is I'd... almost forced because we have a few suspensions. Obviously, yeah. Harry Maguire is yeah. suspended, Luke Shaw is suspended, Scott McTominay is suspended. So, yeah, I, I agree in terms of not rotating too much, but I think the rotation and the suspensions almost sort of come together quite nicely this time. I think Solskjaer will be almost happy with the suspensions, especially the Harry Maguire one, maybe. I just want Bruno and Rashford rested. Those two have been running to the ground this season. Yeah. And you know what, Wambasaka? I don't think we talk about it enough. He doesn't rest, Wambasaka. And for a for a right back who's pushing up up and down the pitch, well, with um, he probably needs a break, well, but it won't happen. Yeah, Wambasaka, yeah, never gets rested. He's in that Harry Maguire category. Where would you say? Yeah. Now Eric Bayer obviously still has COVID, definitely won't be available. So where has do to you, be Tuanzebe. Where do you throw Tuanzebe here? Do you throw him at right back in regards to give Wambasaka a rest, or does he fill in for Harry Maguire next to Victor Lindelof? That's a problem. I Brendan Williams hasn't played enough football to really throw him in in such a t- like. While it's, it should be assured, back, so Brendan Williams can't go left back. The only spot for Brendan Williams is on that right hand side. That's it. But I don't see it happening um, because it's still must win. And while we're comfortable, it's risky. He's he won't have that match rhythm. Um, so difficult call. I think Wambasaka starts. I think Tuan Zabi comes in. You know what? Isn't Phil Jones training? Is it possible? Is it possible King Phil? Um, oh, jeez, I shouldn't say that, should I? I, I, I don't think he'd be registered in the squad. Oh, I don't know. No, I, I don't think... Oh, no, he was added. He was added um, in the updated squad. So maybe um, maybe the real Prince Philip will get his opportunity. But no, I think Twins AB comes in. Um, midfield, it'll probably be Fred McTominay again, isn't it? I, I'd like to see Van der Beek get a start over Bruno. I'm sure he'll start Bruno, though. Well, yeah. No, no, look, De Gea will come in. This is one of the situations where I think I, I'd back him to play Donny van der Beek. I think he's come on once or twice in the last couple of... Not, obviously not today, but he's come on recently and um, done quite well. So I, I'd back him to step, whether that be over Bruno or maybe Paul Pogba, I'm not quite sure. But um, McTominay is injured and not injured, suspended. So there will be rotation in midfield. And I, I'd be... Look, I've said it before and proven wrong, but I'd be shocked if van der Beek doesn't start this one. Yeah, I'm with you. Actually, like we've we've said it before, I think if you put him in a number eight position, he won't give you the defensive nous of a McTominay, but he'll keep the ball. So I think for what you lose in one area, you gain in another. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, the main thing I want to see one matter back against Spanish opposition. I think it's a good opportunity to get him back in because um, we do need different options on that right hand side. If things don't quite go to plan, you need that different answer, and maybe one matter could provide that and he, he's been out for a while so he does need minutes um, in case we need to call upon him later on during the running or later on in the Europa League but um, Larry it is always a pleasure to start a Monday morning chatting about United beating Jose Mourinho and Tottenham oh uh, yeah absolutely mate just make sure you don't fall asleep on the way to work I'm on school holidays what are you talking about I've got the day off I'm going to off, back off to watch the Optus highlights oh man school teachers seriously taking the piss uh, what a way to start a day and um, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast and does have a very good week at work uh, make sure you're obviously subscribed on the podcast app whether it be Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud and if your podcast app allows a bit of a rating or review um, it takes 20 seconds it would very much be appreciated 
and um, that you're following us on all the social media um, platforms. And also a big thank you for everyone and their kind feedback for the Willie Morgan podcast. Um, it was really good to chat to a former player as always. So um, thank you very much for that. And until then, Larry, we will chat on Friday with um, talking about a Europa League semi-final. Yeah, mate. Yeah, sounds good. I actually got the day off on Friday, so maybe I'll meet you at the pub. No, beautiful. Fingers crossed and um, chat to you then. All right, cheers. Cheers.